Welcome to Logos. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sean Baker. He, quote unquote, is multi-sport world record settling athlete, physician, and author of the Carnivore Diet, as well as the C CEO of MediaX. And I'd like to get into numerous topics, especially focusing on the reasoning, implementation, and sustainability of his novel approach to physical health and especially um, my intrigued interest in his approach of using comedy and community to make such change possible for people. But first, I wanted to ask you, how have you even gotten engaged in all this? Uh, well, how I got engaged in all this? Well, I mean, you know, my background as a, as a medical physician, as a surgeon, you know, as an athlete, I, I've always had an interest in health, you know, and, and through my surgical training and medical training, I really wasn't, you know, we didn't really learn much or practice much with regard to the nutrition and much of the lifestyle stuff. You know, we did some of that, but that was really a minor focus of that. As an athlete, you know, I've always been interested in performance and, you know, health is related to performance. And so that's what, you know, got me interested in this, you know, as I got older, as an older athlete, I started to see that despite very intense training, I was, I was starting to see, you know, health, negative health outcomes. Uh, and uh, I didn't really like that. So I started looking into nutrition a little more in depth and, you know, just, just started to, to, to experiment with myself and, and uh, observe what other people were having success with. And it led me down to kind of about a 10-year journey of trying different nutritional strategies. And the one that worked the best for me was a one that focused on meat, you know, as, 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 a, uh, you know, as a primary source of nutrition. And I know that's sort of contrary to what we are, we're told often, and you know, we've been told for the last, you know, 50, 60 years, uh, although that hasn't always been the case, you know, certainly there are, you know, uh, societies that have existed for, you know, many thousands of years that have been meat-based and generally were, were considered to be free of disease and quite healthy. So it's not that unusual. Um, so yeah, I got into that. I did it myself. And then I, you know, I, at that time I was kind of starting on social media and some people thought it was kind of interesting. And so a lot of people thought I was completely crazy. Uh, and, and fair enough, I would have thought the same thing, you know, five years earlier. Uh, however, uh, uh, you know, continued to get good results. And, and I started to see uh, many thousands of other people now that have, that have, that have decided to, to, to do this themselves. And, and pretty, uh, pretty consistently, we see very good results with most people that end up doing this. And so that's what got me involved in this. And then, you know, um, it's now become kind of my full-time vocation you know i've got a company that i run that uh you know we we basically uh, help people get healthy using again meat-based diets and some other lifestyle uh, changes and uh, we've been very successful with that and so that's what uh, you know uh so you put you talk you mentioned about the social media stuff and kind of using some using some humor and entertainment um and yeah cer certainly i do that and you know i do some stuff that's a little bit on the controversial side some people get mad some people laugh some people get the joke some people don't uh some people uh you know but regardless it, it gets attention and i think that's something that, that this needs to have is attention because what we're doing clearly is not working for the most part for everybody else what we're doing in the in the sort of the mainstream media um, uh, medical system and and that we have so many people that are failing uh, with regard to their health. And I think that's something that is 
because we're 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 looking the wrong way and, and, and going in the wrong directions. Well, yeah, that's definitely a um, important observation, and I believe the humor is especially um, worthwhile due to the great ideological basis many people have in their dietary choices and uh, comedy is kind of a way of transcending these beliefs because if you laugh at something then you can't hate the person um, so i i think that's a really good thing and i'd like to get a bit more into how you use this um yeah your company and this community-based work um, to help people because especially when it comes to health and lifestyle many people and this includes me have a history of struggling with um, making lasting changes yeah well i think the community aspect is is essential you know when people talk about you know making a change uh it's tough to do without a support system it really it really is particularly when what you're doing uh is something that many people would disagree with and so you need to have people of like mind even the even the uh desire to get healthy to get in shape often upsets people around you because they feel that you are reflecting neg negatively upon them you know so yeah. just just stepping outside of the norm and saying i want to be maybe exceptional and unfortunately being exceptional means being healthy these days you know the the, the norm has become you know kind of sick and so when you want to step aside from that you you get a lot of uh, back pushback from other people and so yeah the community aspect is very important it's something we've we very care carefully have cultivated uh you know we've got a community of thousands and thousands of people that are all there that are you know this is at meterx you know the company meterx.com and we we you know we just continue to help people i'm there every single day i mean seven days a week 365 days a year i spend an hour with this community uh you know talking with them discussing encouraging learning from them this is the other thing that um, you know, medicine started, you know, a lot of the sort of principles upon medicine were, were physicians making observations in their patients and learning from that. And I think that that principle is still very valid. And when you have people that are struggling with whatever medical issue or health issue it is, and you see consistently people are solving those problems, it's something we should you know, wake up and look at, you know, rather than trying to outsource this to a a uh, pharmaceutical company whose you know aspirations and goals are not necessarily aligned with optimal health outcomes, or they're 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 aligned with optimal uh, you know profit and loss statements. And I mean, this is a you know a different way to do this. And so when we when we kind of ask people, hey, let's see what works, let's see what kind of things consistently work, I think you have a very different uh, paradigm on 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 getting things done. And so I'm I'm very invested in that. I believe that that is you know uh, a very worthwhile thing to do. I mean, yeah, there's things that people do that, are, that that don't work and they're nonsensical and quite honestly, some some of it's kind of silly, but there are some things that work well. And I think we're seeing that within this community. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I, the day, literally a day does not go by where I don't get one or many, several people uh, contact me to tell me that their life has improved, you know, dramatically for the better. You know, they've come off chronic medications. They've, they've, they've solved some lifelong uh, health problem. And this is, you know, something that uh, is very exciting for me and gets me up and, and you know, it, it inspires me to <laughs> continue to fight. And I'll, you know, I'm, like I said, sometimes I do stuff that's 
very serious, you know, study related, you know, we're, we're fundraising for a large clinical trial. I mean, there's, there's a serious aspect of, of it, but you are right. I mean, you do need to engage people. And if people are bored, you know, particularly in today's society where everything is a soundbite or a, you know, a meme or a, you know, a three second swipe on a, on a, you know, an Instagram or a TikTok post, you've got to be able to catch their attention. And so sometimes it takes, you know, just being a little silly and, or whatever, you know, something controversial and you get, engagement interaction but it gets people talking about this and looking your way and i think that's important yeah that's definitely useful so um if someone um would want to change their lifestyle in such a way um of course an opportunity would now be to um become a part of <coughs> your community but what would you say um would be the first step that one could take? Well, I think the first step is to, you know, obviously want to change. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that are happy where they're at, whether they're healthy or not, or whether they're you know, in, a, in a position that uh, many people would like. But uh, I think, you know, first step is, you know, realizing that, um, you know, I can perhaps have a better quality of life. I think all of us ultimately want that. And, you know, some people, you know, kind of ignore it for a while, but eventually it catches up. And I think that, you um, realizing that you know what you see around you you know the the, the 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 sort of prevalence of people that are struggling with obesity or overweight or all these other diseases what we consider almost normal or normal consequences of aging are really not normal this is not how i believe that human beings are supposed to live i mean we shouldn't spend the last three or four decades of our life or whatever age you are in pain or suffering or disability we should be in a, you know, we should function well, feel good and perform well. I mean, through the vast majority of our life and maybe, you know, the last few months or whatever, then you, you know, you kind of pass away and, and hopefully at a ripe old age. So I think the desire to, you know, just to see what your body is capable of, see what, what feeling good feels like is, is, is necessary. You know, and there's many people that know they're not, they don't feel very good. I mean, if you wake up most days and you feel tired or depressed or, something hurts or something's not working well, then, then there's a problem. I mean, there, that there clearly is. And if the, if the doctor hasn't solved it and, and very often they haven't, I mean, they might've given you some kind of pill to take or multiple pills, which often don't really solve the problem. They might help with a few symptoms and they often come with side effects. Um, then this is a time to change. So when you want to change and there's lots of ways to do it, I'm not saying this is the only way to do this, but what I will say uniquely about what we do is uh, it's, it's very, um, you know, I think we just have a very high success rate. And I think part of that has to do with the, the aspect that this is a lot of people that have been really, really spent a lot of time, you know, in frustration and they finally find what, what really works for them. And I think it's, um, a lot of people deal with issues with, with addiction, you know, particularly around foods, you know, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard not to blame people. I mean, you've got delicious food. It's not very good for you you know, always, you know, within arm's reach, it's not hard to get, you can, you know, you can always find it. It's often very cheap. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's encouraged for many people, you know, it's marketed to us. And so we, we really are kind of in a really not particularly healthy environment with regard to uh, food choices. And so it's hard not to be, you know, essentially addicted to that stuff. And what uniquely happens with, with us is we, we very consistently get people where they're no longer addicted to these foods. And, they can, you know, maybe they still eat them occasionally, but they're no longer sort of victim to the constant pull of these unhealthy foods. And, you know, they just 
you know, they just get healthier and healthier. And it's, uh, it's great to see. I literally sit, I, it's literally, you know, like I said, I have a meeting every morning, uh, you know, at nine o'clock Pacific time in, in group at meter X. And I literally watch people's faces change as they, you know, they lean mm-hmm. out as they start to, they smile more. They, they, they start to glow. They, you can see the excitement um, and the, uh, the passion for life that they have. I've had people that were, you know, people that couldn't even get out of bed. I mean, they're literally bedridden except for maybe a small trip to the bathroom and maybe to eat. And that's the only time they spend out of bed. They go from that to losing, you know, you know, 40, 50 kilos. And now they're dancing in the street with joy and their pain is mm-hmm. gone. They've got their life back. So that is, I think, you know, something that uh, we, we are able to offer folks and uh, uh, you know, we, we, we just do whatever we can. And, and it's been great. And the other, and the people help each other, which is a really neat part. Cause once they, once they experience it, they're able to inspire other people. And, and we do that. And every time we get another person, we know that's going to be potentially two or three more people. Cause they all tend to, you know, become inspirations for the next, the next crop of people. Yeah. First of all, you, of course, you definitely want to um, improve the quality of your family's life and then go beyond that. And um, this sounds really warming. Um, you, you've said before that we, yeah, we kind of like into this as well as social media, um, quick hits of dopamine and a rather nihilistic search for gratification. Um, when rather the, the true happiness is to be found as I believe as well, um, in pursuing uh, such engaging and fulfilling um, projects like caring for health and um, yeah, searching happiness through this. And um, of course, different approaches can work there, but um, you've as well um, stated that maybe many physicians and the normal medicine doesn't really have um, the best interest um, of their patients at heart. Why do you think is that? I don't necessarily think the physicians don't have the best interest of the patients uh, at heart. I mean, I think what you have is you have a, you know, I can speak for the U.S. healthcare system because I spent many years in that. Um, The system is not really designed to, take care of people with the time they need and, and provide them the lifestyle support they need. You know, we're designed to prescribe medications, do procedures as quickly as possible to as many people as possible. And that's, that's how the, the U.S. healthcare system stays afloat. You know, it's, it's a very volume demanding uh, system. And unfortunately, you know, I think that the uh, average physician just doesn't have the tools, you know, in their tool set, they didn't learn these things. And so they're, they're doing the best they can with the knowledge they have, but, Unfortunately, the uh, the bar has been set pretty low as to what the expected outcomes are. And you know, as a physician, particularly ones in primary care, I mean, they're 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 so used to seeing their patients struggle and continue just to go from medication to medication to medication. It's just like a standard progression where their health just slowly deteriorates, and they just sit there and watch. It's like watching a slow motion train crash. Um, and and that's and I, I I you know they're trying to do the best they can, but they just don't have the understanding of the tools uh to do it or or even if they do have the understanding they don't have the time you know like i said we you know you are 
required or expected to see patients every, you know, six, eight, nine, ten minutes in many cases. And that's just not enough time to engage in a quality discussion and set up a quality outcome. And there's no one supporting them. That's why, you know, like what we have, you know, with, with our community, we have people can spend, you know, hours and weeks and months and they come in every single day and get the support they need. Whereas, you know, you're lucky if you see your physician once every three months and most people it's once a year for, you know, maybe 20 minutes, you know, total time. Whereas we have so much more contact hours, uh, you know, literally somebody could spend six hours a day, you know, eight hours a day, 365 days a year if they wanted to, and they would get support. And so this is what I think uh, is, is just a different paradigm. And I think some people need that. And I think that's, that's uh, something that uh, I'm excited to do. Again, like I said, I'm excited to be part of. <clears throat> well, um, that definitely, but as well, and there has been, this was a recent misconception that um, the current American government uh, is planning on, I believe, shorting the the yearly meat um, footprint of the individual to four pounds. Um, clearly, this this was a misstatement, but the direction definitely goes into limiting meat consumption, not only for the claims of health reasons, but as well sustainability. So what are your thoughts on, on this um, claim? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, clearly, uh, you know, our current presidential administration, you know, Joe Biden has, has denied that they want to restrict Americans' meat. They're not going to prescribe a, a meat amount. But what they can do and what they probably are, already are doing is they're going to be making it more difficult for the average consumer to acquire as much meat as they might want. They're going to be putting... Uh, obstacles in front of the, some of the food producers, you know, some of the ranchers, many of the ranchers will go out of business. You know, we've lost uh, in the United States. We, I think we, you know, back in the 1970s, I think we had 1.3 million ranchers where we've lost almost 600,000 ranchers over the last 50 years. Um, and we'll might continue to see more of them, you know, because we see this continued push for the globalization and centralization of the food supply. And, you know, basically what happens is as a small number of corporate corporations control the food supply. What they'll want to do is make it as cheaply and as efficiently as possible, you know, but they will also sacrifice human health to do so and, and decrease the nutrient value in that. Um, red meat, you know, meat in general and red meat particularly is not a problematic food from health. You know, it's, it's just clearly not. The data does not support that. The actual data, I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, epidemiologic studies, which are, particularly troublesome when it comes to making determinations. This is what most of the belief around, you know, meat being bad for us is based on these types of studies, which are not very scientific, to be honest. Uh, you know, when we look at actual randomized control trials, which people would consider at least a closer version of science, showing meat is unhealthy is not supported in any way, shape or form, particularly when we look at long-term clinical outcomes, not whether someone's cholesterol goes up or down or, you know, this or that. We need to look at the actual outcomes. And so what I see when I have people that are on just eating di a diet, basically almost completely of red meat or completely of meat, they get dramatically healthy, you know? And I think what the problem is we have a, in the United States, and I'm sure, uh, you know, where you're at, I think in Germany, uh, I think you're in Germany, right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, there, the diet is, is largely derived of highly processed plant food. I mean, it's, it's usually some sort of refined grain, uh, 
the sugar and some kind of seed oil. That makes up something like 50 to 60% of the American diet. I'm sure the German diet is not too far behind that, you know? And that's the real problem. Meat is not the problem. Humans have been eating meat for three plus million years. And we've always been healthy. Every other animal on the planet that eats meat is, is healthy. The only, you know, the only, you know, difference here is that we eat a bunch of just complete garbage in our diet and we're trying to blame it on meat. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, reasons for that, I think, that are financial. You know, if you can replace meat with something cheap and processed, you can make more profit. And there's a large fake meat uh, uh, industry that is that is starting to bloom. It's projected to be worth, you know, $150 billion a year, which is a lot of money. So there's a lot of people putting money in that, investing in that. They're uh, doing studies that support their, their belief. And, they, you know, the studies are highly biased. Uh, you know, when it comes to the sustainability aspect of it as well, it's also a uh, sort of a misconception. I mean, there are ways to raise meat that is extremely sustainable. You know, I'm not necessarily defending uh, all of the industrialized, you know, meat production. I mean, all agriculture has its problems. You can look at any crop that is grown, uh, whether it's for human consumption or animal consumption, it is going to be a problem with regard to soil degeneration by, you know, tilled soil. Uh, herbicides, pesticides, rodenticides, uh, all the fossil fuels that go into that, all the waste, all the runoff, all those things are, are problematic. And so we have to radically overhaul our entire agricultural system. And, you know, the, the, the growing our meat in a factory, in a lab, in a bioreactor is not, is not the answer. You know, in my view, it's, it's, it's actually going to go backwards, it's going to make the problem worse. You know, we look at these cell cultured meats. And they come right out and say, what do they feed those cells to make them grow? Well, it's going to be corn and soybeans. And that's going to have the same problems. All the herbicides, all the pesticides, all the destruction of the soil, all the loss of biodiversity. You know, you look at parts of Europe and parts of America where it's nothing but, you know, a single monocrop for, for you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. And nothing else can exist there. Nothing can live there other than the, the one crop that they grow. So we end up destroying wildlife and destroying you know, entire ecosystems to support this. And so the better option is going to be uh, what we see with these folks that are doing regenerative cell animal agriculture. They, you know, they graze their animals in a consistent way, a natural way where they move the animals frequently. And they put multiple animals of different species across the same area. So they basically start with cows and they move them off and then they bring the chickens in a day later. And then they move them off and then they bring, you know, perhaps the sheep in and then they bring, you know, geese in or something they really and they can basically cause a land to yield so much more be so much more productive than it is now it also restores the soil restores the wildlife restores the biodiversity it also offsets a tremendous amount of carbon in fact there's estimates that of 40 percent of the united states rangeland where we where we currently uh raise our you know raise our our animal animal uh, you know, production for meat, we're converted to this style of grazing. We could offset the entire carbon footprint of the United States, which has one of the largest per capita carbon footprints in the world. So the solution is there, but we have people in Silicon Valley and other venture capitalists that are telling us, no, we need to eat this stuff grown in a lab. Uh, and they're going to leave out the fact that these lab grown meats, you know, require all this monocrop input, require tremendous amounts of fossil fuels to keep those bioreactors running, keep them cool, keep them warm, and, you know, keep them at a certain temperature. Um, all the waste products that are produced from the cells metabolizing, you know, their food, um, you know, these things aren't talked about, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're, they are, uh, you know, they're, you know, they've been very good with the marketing, but it's not, unfortunately, it's not a lot of truth to that. And unfortunately, most people aren't sophisticated enough 
to or care enough. They just want food that tastes good. It's cheap. And, and, and that's unfortunately the problem. That's why we see so many people. We see the consequences of uh, food that tastes good. It's cheap. We, we see it every day. We just got to walk, walk to any major town and go outside or go into a store and you see them all. They're walking around, you know, chronically sick. Yeah, it, it seems almost like it isn't the, the, the support that's um, provided isn't nearly as appreciated as um, the kind of grand narrative that's supporting these beliefs. And uh, this is from my personal experience that many have this fundamental ideological basis um, and do not um, want anything ripped apart there. And especially with uh, land ownership, we have seen recent evolutions, for example, um, Bill Gates now being the greatest landowner in America, um, or other ways that kind of the uh, larger industries take over more of the world's resources um, when it comes to the food supply. Now, um, what do you think? Um, how will the most likely future evolution be in this manner? And uh, what, what would be the best thing to do from here? Well, I think, you know, clearly the future will contain synthetic, you know, protein called, you know, some kind of synthetic meat. It will clearly contain the alternate uh, products, uh, you know, the processed food, you know, the Beyond Meat, the Impossible Burgers, which are, you know, just basically processed food. Uh, you'll continue to see, uh, you know, there's just a sick population, which will continue to expand. Uh, you know, we'll probably see uh, more people that are, you know, I mean, the human race will become less capable. I mean, we'll uh, farm out most everyday daily meal tasks that'll be automated or, you know, done by robots or something. You know, you probably in 30, 40 years, will have a robot to do most of your tasks for you. Uh, so most humans will, you know, be relegated to basically mostly sitting around and not doing much. Uh, I, you know, I can see that there was a movie, a, a movie that came out a few years ago called Wally. I think it was 15 years ago and it, it depicts huh. humans from the future, basically kind of, kind of just hovering around in these hover cars, uh, you know, morbidly obese, drinking some sort of, I don't know what they're drinking, some kind of food fuel for humans and being waited on by robots. And so I think that's a certainly, some version of that is probably what it's already happening. I mean, we see people already that are, I mean, they've become so morbidly obese, they can't even walk. I mean, they're coming, they're driving around in these, these scooters and cars. And this is, this is 100% of creation created by uh, what we do in society, what we do in the medical system, we facilitate that, you know, this is something that, you know, they should not be allowed. They should, somebody should have intervened appropriately well before they get to, 200, 300, 400 kilos, some of these people. I mean, it's just, you know, almost insanity to think that that could even be something that somebody could, a way someone could exist, that there, there was the resources that would allow someone to, to be able to exist that way. It's not that those people shouldn't, should be attacked, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a system that's allowing those people to suffer immensely. Um, and so um, I think, you know, there'll be a lot, you know, I think they will continue to have, you know, some, animal agriculture, some of it, hopefully much of it will be regenerative in that fashion. There'll be some people that are supportive of that and, you know, will continue to um, uh, 
use that as their their food supply and and try to stay healthy and you know hopefully that, that number will be a, a large number not a small number absolutely and um i believe this this kind of um fight over um just just simply claiming the reasonable assumption that being healthy is something to be appreciated uh this almost basically has to be fought for and um as you as you've stated before surely there are um overwhelming differences in what's recommended uh, as far as dietary choice goes whether it's veganism or a carnivore diet but uh, the common goal of course is to make someone healthier i mean even if a vegan diet is advised it won't be to uh i don't know um cause illness um well, so you know, I, there, there I, there's a common yeah. goal yeah i'm gonna say i mean the argument really shouldn't be vegan versus a carnivore diet it really should be processed food versus you know i mean you know processed and synthetic created food versus you know actual food that's been around for you know our entire existence as humans I mean, my, my, my bias is towards meat being um, a very healthy food, whereas vegans, you know, are kind of ideologically opposed to that, whether it's health related or not, they have issues with the way animals are raised and the way they're slaughtered, you know, and I, I would counter that saying that all food production results in massive amounts of animal death, you know, you can't hide from it, you know, what you can do is try to improve that, but to uh, um, sort of try to outlawed or ban it is a big problem because it's a hugely important part of human nutrition it's always has been and hopefully always will be uh so i think uh, you know the common goal should be to allow for food sovereignty to to allow for local production of food and and we should um encourage and uh facilitate individual choice you know i don't care if someone is on a vegan diet particularly if they're an adult um, that's their choice to make. And I fully support their decision to, unfortunately, my decision to eat a meat-based diet is not reciprocated. You know, often I'm, you know, you're accused of being evil or awful or some sort of murderer or rapist or some, some nonsense that we often hear levied by these people. And, and, you know, it's, it's something, you know, I think needs to be pushed back against. And so, um, but I think the overall push to demonize meat uh, is misplaced. I mean, I think you, we should, we should, oh, the, the push should be to fix the way food production is regardless of what, 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 whether it's plant or animal, you know, in the United States, you know, if we look at our EPA data, if we're looking at greenhouse gases, our plant agriculture, uh, accounts for 5% of our greenhouse gases and our animal agriculture accounts for 4% of our greenhouse gases. So in truth, I mean, the plant agriculture actually is a greater greenhouse gas, uh, risk. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're very similar, but it's, you know, so, uh, the other issue we have around food sustainability is in the United States and much of the world, 40% of the food we produce as a world just ends up in the trash can. It doesn't even feed people. So we're, we are right out, right out the door. We're losing 40%. Now, if you imagine if you could cut that in half or cut that by 75%, um, we would, we would already gain, you know, the ability to feed the, 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 the projected you know, 3 billion more people that are going to supposedly be on the planet by, you know, 2050 or so. So just cutting out food waste would be an enormous um, a benefit there. And, and so we don't really hear much talked about that. Sure. Now, um, <coughs> so your, 
now I would like to um, get a bit into how the diet um, you would recommend um, could be tweaked for individual choice. So perhaps you could give an explanation of what you would um, recommend for um, someone who's fighting with serious illness and then rather a healthy individual that is um, pursuing athletic endeavors and wants to um, optimize performance. Yeah, well, I mean, there's uh, obviously individuals with, with very unique situations. It's going to depend a little bit without, you know, direct knowledge about who we're talking to. But in general, um, you know, if someone is sick, um, I think, you know, just removing some of the, the processed, you know, highly processed junk food from the diet is going to be step number one. Uh, you know, switching over to natural foods, uh, you know, that might be fruits, vegetables, meats, seafood, whatever. Um, starting there. And then I think, you know, you just have to start to um, sort of maybe if you're not getting the results, you want to continue to maybe remove certain food items until you get to, uh, you know, a place that, that, that leads to better better health. My But my, my sort of bias, again, is to, you know, restrict down to, you know, kind of a meat-based diet. And that seems to be very well tolerated, and it seems to be very unlikely to be a problematic food for most people. That transition takes, for many people, a month or two, you know, sometimes out to three, four months. But typically, you know, most people see pretty good improvement in that period of time. Um, I, you know, I generally, you know, for the average person, like to see them get a reasonable amount of protein uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 1.2, 1.6, even as much as 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight. Uh, you know, grams of protein, uh, that's, that's kind of a, you know, I think a reasonable place to be. Um, generally most people, you know, with a carnivore diet will eat, uh, they find themselves often with a lot of satiety where they're very satiated, where they don't have to eat very much or very often. And so I think that's fine. Uh, some people actually struggle to eat enough. And so we have to, we have to encourage them to eat a little more if they're lacking in energy or, you know, uh, you know they don't feel particularly good. You know, there's, there's some transition issues that occur often around becoming dehydrated because of the lowering of insulin. Our insulin uh, uh, usually is very high on a carbohydrate-based diet or relatively high. And by reducing the insulin exposure, our kidneys tend to lose some salt and water. And so you have to sort of maybe put that back in the diet with a little bit more electrolytes and some more fluid for some people, not everybody, but many people find that helpful. Um, you know, some people find that maybe a slightly higher fat percentage works better for certain autoimmune issues or certain disease states, inflammatory states. Other people do better with a little bit more protein. Um, athletes, I think, you know, that aren't suffering from any kind of illness, again, they can certainly do a carnivore diet. Um, again, the, the, the uh, issue is to make sure, again, eating, eating enough protein. You know, I think the protein requirements are certainly what they are for sedentary people and even more typically, so higher amounts uh, for most people. Um, I find that uh, it takes, depending on the athlete and what type of sports they're engaged in, it takes a little bit longer to transition so that your athletic performance is where you want it to be. Some people, you know, still transition very quickly and do well, depending on the sport. Some people that are engaged in high amounts of very high intense activity may take longer, even up to six months to fully trans transition. So I encourage people in those types of sports to do it as an off season, you know, sort of a test 
Uh, and then, you know, so you're not doing it in the middle of the middle of a season if you're, you know, actively competing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, either of them, uh, either situations, they, they seem to benefit. There's, like I said, some minor differences. And again, each, each individual is going to have some unique needs uh, to, to address. And that's what we use a community for. And I, you know, I do some, I do a little bit of uh, consultations with a lot of, uh, well, a lot of people, including many professional athletes that uh, are looking at, uh, <clears throat> you know, improving their, their, their performance and health outcomes. Great. So just to um, translate quickly, 1.2 to 2.2 um, grams per kilogram would be about uh, half to one gram per pound um, as far as protein goes. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a conversion, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and what I'm personally really curious of because um, I am an avid fan of individual critical thinking, and I believe it's really important for everyone to make choices not based on um, value structure and ideological basis, but um, kind of aim for more objective um, assessment. How would you say um, do you manage um, not to view everything to through um, the, such a kind of lens because it may appear when you write a book of the carnivore diet and are really um, entangled in these beliefs you you want the danger to have a too heavy bias towards your own ideas yeah, I mean, you can certainly make an argument and, you know, you can use the scientific literature, you know, particularly the nutritional scientific literature to argue for any diet. I mean, I can find studies that support anything. And so you have to realize that that's out there and, you know, you have to realize that the natural tendency is to support your argument with the data that you have. And so that's the case. Uh, and so I tell people, you know, if you if you want to support your ideology, you can find people that agree with you, you can find literature that agrees with you, you can find scientific facts that agree with you. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's just you and you've got to be able to look in the mirror and you've got to be able to decide, hey, look, this is, this is my outcome that I want to be at. And you know, if you're not getting that, that's, that's the biggest feedback. So you, I don't tell people, don't listen to me. I mean, you can listen to me if you want to make your own decision, but at the end of the day, you need to be able to critically look in, in, in the mirror, you know, both literally and figuratively and say, am I getting the outcome that I want to? Am I healthier? I mean, and again, your, your definition of health is your definition of health. I'm not going to tell you what to think. For me, it falls around. I feel good. I function well. My body composition is good. I'm happy. I mean, those are the things I look for as, as for, you know, deciding what I'm doing is correct. And if I'm not getting those things, then I think you should change it. I mean, there's people that, that uh, come to me and they, they uh, say that, uh, well, I, you know, I was struggling with the carnivore diet and I said, well, why don't you do something else? I said, well, I really wanted to be a carnivore. I'm saying that's nonsense. I mean, your goal is you want to be healthy. And I tell people within this community, the goal isn't to be some perfect ideal version of a carnivore, whatever the hell that is. The perfect, the ideal outcome in my view is to be, to be at your peak optimum health. And so whatever gets you there, if it's a carnivore diet, but plus, you know, some blueberries, you know, once a week, then that's fine. There's no, there's no need to be dogmatic. And I've sort of, um, tried to point that out. I mean, there are people that, and I will support people that are 
you know, that, that fully say, I can only eat meat. And I think that's fine too. And I, I tell people I'm going to support you in that situation because I know people are doing very well with that. I, I've done well with that. Uh, I mean, for years, I've gone several years eating nothing but meat. And, and I know that's completely healthy. And so I have no problem with somebody doing that. And I, you know, likewise, I don't have a problem with somebody adjusting. You know, if they want to say it didn't work and go somewhere else, I, I would encourage them to do that. You know, I think, you know, it's at some point you have to make sure that you, you know, actually we're, we're, we're sort of maybe perhaps, um, you know, you have the knowledge to do what you're trying to do, do well. And, you know, there's, there's ways to, um, you know, do a diet that it perhaps <laughs> may have had some better with some guidance uh, or, or, you know, maybe it's enough time frame. but beyond that, you know, you got to do what works for you. Yeah, that sounds definitely reasonable. And I believe this is where that is, kind of a view of collectively uh, collectivism that has arisen in the recent past kind of reducing um, you not to who you are as an individual but what you represent as a group and I mean we've always um, kind of been easy prey for such a socialist viewpoint perhaps because it's really attractive but of course that's that's quite dangerous because you're much more than uh, others may uh, see or want to see of you and um, yeah I believe that's a great standpoint and I am really thankful that you do what you do and for hope that the future <laughs> will bring the best um, for your community and us as a society to maybe open up uh, our minds and accept different viewpoints and maybe find a good solution to improve our health. Yeah, I think I, I think thanks for that. I mean, I think that's uh, a fair assessment. I think that we we all should be open to things that work. Uh, you know, like I said, there are there's a lot of different people on the planet and they all have different ideas. And, and, you know, I think we should be willing to hear folks and, you know, if we agree with them, fine. If we don't, that's also fine. But I mean, the, you know, with the, uh, unfortunately, you know, we witnessed through the last year or so, so a lot of the scientific discourse has been sort of shunned and, and sort of, you know, almost covered up, almost censored. And I think we're, we're in a dangerous time where uh, we could see this, censorship of different open discussion uh, bleeding over to many areas and you know it's it's again if if, if uh, a few people hold certain views whether it's bill gates or you know uh, uh, klaus schwab or, or you know whoever you know world economics <laughs> forum and they control all the power and they control all the media you know it's 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 a it's a it's a big problem and so i think that's something that uh, we you know need to push back against even if you agree with those guys like i said even if you agree with um a certain point you should not you know want to censor people with a different opinion than you i think that's a, that's a very dangerous i mean this is where most of these modern democracies that we many of us sort of believe in were founded on the right to dissent and the right to um you know have discussions rather than you know these sort of totalitarian or fascist regimes where it's my way or the highway and uh, everybody disagrees is you know locked up absolutely so for everyone at now um is um excited to 
embark on the health journey, um, could you real quick give a reference um, what would be optimal to find your work? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I think if you're serious about, you know, you know, actually engaging and doing that, meetrx.com is, is the best place to go. It's got, it's got it's a tremendous resource. It's got tremendous, you know, help. I'm there every day. You can talk, you can actually talk to me. Um, you know, the other stuff I do is a social media and the social media is just, you know, it's, 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 again, it's a lot of just stuff. It's just posts up there that are meant to engage people. Sometimes it makes people mad. Sometimes it you know, <laughs> makes people laugh. Sometimes, it, you know, sometimes people agree with it, but it's just, you know, it's just something there to get attention really. I mean, it's really what it is. It's, it's attention seeking so that people will look further and hopefully they'll investigate and see what we're really about. And, and that's, you know, but like I said, you can skip all of the social media nonsense and just head on over to meetrx.com. Uh, but if you, you know, and some people like the social media, they find it, they find it funny and whatever, and, and that's fine. And I'm happy to do that. Like I said, I realize, you know, it's really a, a game of entertaining people. You know, it's, I, I call it, ed, you know, edutainment. You know, you have to entertain before you can educate. And so if you, they're not engaged, I mean, there's some great people out there that have great stuff, scientific stuff, but it's boring. No one wants to watch it. And so they just skip right on by and they never, you know, they sit there for years putting out all this great content sharing this valuable information, but nobody hears it. Nobody sees it. You know, how many scientific papers have you read? Uh, you know, I mean, the average person doesn't read very many and yet the average scientist spends, you know, a year of their life or two years of their life producing a paper that 17 people read. I mean, you think about that. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. It's, it's very sad. And so it's, you know, it's just the way it is. I mean, you know, you've got somebody like, uh, you know, you can, whoever, the, whatever the famous celebrities are now, you know, you can say, uh, Jake Paul or something like that on YouTube is getting, you know, you know, he can, he could probably share some information about diet and 5 million people, 10 million people might, might react to it. Whereas some world-class scientist might say something and only seven people even hear, hear of it. Yeah. This is the kind of disassociation of um, being popular and being of value. The only thing that uh, I believe has to be, um, one has to be cautious with uh, then is not to come over as a kind of trick star because of course you want to be taken seriously um, but I believe um, that's where results matter um, actually as a kind of personal anecdote I believe the first time I've came along your work was in a German documentary um, and it kind of framed you as a kind of a different and special um, guy with a kind of addiction for meat. But in the video, still um, a clip was included of you beating your own world record in rowing. And um, that ha has kind of gotten me interested. So, yeah, um, I have faith that the useful information still can kind of beat propaganda. And yeah, I believe that's a good word to end us with. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'll